The number is one 9646 You need to get a hold of Savan anytime. Injury calculator. We'll uh, touch on that here in just a little bit. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots going on today, brother. We'll get to our insurance guy, Terry Corcoran, back on the show with the uh, the inside knowledge big time about uh, that industry. Love having Terry on. He'll be here in just a, a little bit. First, we get to the week that was. All right, John. Let's mm-hmm. dive right into it. So let me read you an email I received that was posted to mydisabilityquestions.com. Uh, For the listeners out there, if you're not familiar with this website, if you have any questions about long-term disability and you just want to post it anonymously and you want an answer, an accurate answer directly from me, uh, just go to mydisabilityquestions.com. And so let's let's read this one. Uh, This is from Lindsay, and she writes, I had a spinal operation in December 2013. My work granted me LTD. No problem. Then as a result of the surgery... Scar tissue grew on my sciatic nerve, which ended up with me going off again 16 months later. I was on shortened disability, getting treated. Uh, then when it came time for LTD to kick in, they denied it, claiming I did not have enough medical documentation to support mm-hmm. my disability. I appealed it, first mistake, yep. and again was denied. All the while, she says, I was receiving nerve root injections to treat the ongoing problem. She actually ended up on ODSP, okay? Uh, So here's what she writes. My question to you is, uh, I'm almost at the two-year mark and have to go back to my position at work or I will lose it and my 17 years of seniority. Mm -hmm. We'll go back uh, to this point in a moment. I'm not better. My surgeon wants to see me again in two months to discuss more injections if necessary. He does not recommend that I go back to work like this. Uh, and then she writes, uh, I'm intending on doing it. And then she says, do I have any other legal options? I have never sought legal advice before. And so, you know, John, that's the end of the, uh, the email, right. uh, the posting. Many people who contact me are contact me out of desperation. They've never needed a lawyer before, except for perhaps, you know, if you're buying a house or a condo. Uh, but, you know, to be in a situation like this where you're being told by the insurance company that you don't qualify for disability despite the fact that your doctors, in this case her surgeon, is supporting her being off work. I mean, she's getting nerve injections for God's sakes. And she's concerned, of course. You know, she has 17 years of seniority where she works and she's concerned that she's going to lose that seniority. So she has an employment issue here that is underlying, an underlying issue. And we've talked about this before, that at my firm, we do both employment Mm -hmm. law and disability law. And that's very useful because then we can answer all these kinds of questions. So first thing that she needs to understand, Lindsay, is that uh, her employer can't let her go legally. And Lior goes through that when he speaks about people with disabilities on the employment hour. If they let you go while you are in disability or while you are disabled, then obviously you're entitled to severance, but also there are human rights damages. With respect to the LTD insurance company, again, as I said before, the first mistake that she made was actually appealing that denial. She should have called me or emailed me initially. I would have told her what to do. Her options are very simple right now. As soon as uh, I, I deal with the matter, as soon as I look at all the medical documentations and are able to formulate a, a strategy against the insurance company, I will tell her that you know these kinds of questions, these kinds of claims can be resolved fairly easily and, believe it or not, fairly quickly. Uh, and, and the reason is this: as long as we have all of the medical documentation and the reports that we need, uh, and I look at the policy of insurance, that's very important. I need to understand exactly what the criteria is for her to qualify for LTD, and the majority of policies are fairly similar, 
The question is, can she do her own occupation within the first two years of disability? And beyond that, can she do any occupation? Uh, and as long as she meets that criteria, I don't care what the insurance company is saying, you know, telling her that she can go back to work. If her doctors are saying she can't, we will file a legal claim. And trust me when I tell you, that claim is going to get bumped to a different adjuster that deals with the claims process, the legal claims process. I'll have a lawyer on the other side and we will come to a resolution and she's going to get paid what she deserves to get paid. So many people out there, you're in that situation, you don't know what to do. Uh, you're afraid that you're going to be terminated from your from your employment, especially in this case, you know, after all these years. And on the other hand, you don't know how to deal with your LTD insurer. Just give me a call or do what this lady did. Go on this website and ask your question and you'll get your answer. one 9646 couple minutes uh, left to go here. What else we got coming down? Okay, so really briefly, uh, right. a few weeks back, there was a gentleman that called me because uh, his father-in-law, uh, an elderly gentleman, was struck by a vehicle and was killed. So it's a fatality mm. case, okay? And we've talked before about what happens in a situation where someone dies as a result of being hit by a car. Right. And what I explained was that you have two types of claims in that situation. The family does. One is called an accident benefits claim, just like with an injury. And the other one is that tort claim, the claim for pain and suffering for the family, for the fact that now they have this person, a member of the family that has died. And so I explained everything. I explained what you can get uh, under the legislation for accident benefits, you know, funeral expenses, a whole bunch of benefits. I also explained, here's what the insurance company owes you and, and your wife and the grandchildren under the Family Law Act. Okay, for the pain and suffering that you've lost this person. And then I heard nothing back from this, uh, this individual. And then I get a call earlier this week. And, you know, he's calling me and he sounds very sheepish. And he tells me, you know, his wife talked to, and I'm not going to mention the names of the firms, uh, except that I'll say that uh, they advertise very heavily ah, on yes. buses and, and everywhere, everywhere else, else in, in the Chewing province. gum and everywhere. Everywhere. And he told me, you know, here's what they told us that we can get. Here's what they promised. And I, I'll tell you, when he told me the numbers, they were astronomical. They were beyond anything that the law allows them to recover. Hmm. And, you know, I, I, I was, first of all, I was very disappointed that they didn't believe me the first time. Uh, obviously, they went and got other advice, but that's okay. Go ahead and speak with other lawyers. Get second opinions, third opinions. That's fine, just like with medicine, right? You know, if it's a serious enough situation, you're going to get a second and third opinions. But, you know, make sure that you know who you're going to. Do your research. You know, if a lawyer is telling you that they're going to get the moon for you and another lawyer is telling you, no, that's not reality, right? We're not talking about a differential of a thousand bucks. We're Mm -hmm. talking about, I'm saying that, you know, I'll just give you a number. It's $50,000 and these lawyers you're calling are telling you it's a million bucks. Wow. I mean, come on. Seriously? So, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to do whatever he's going to do. And the lesson here is be very careful. Be very, very careful when you're getting these second and third opinions that you're getting them from reputable lawyers and law firms that specialize in this area. Don't simply be attracted, you know, like a moth to a lamp uh, with the flashy ads and the people who are going to tell you they're, they're going to get the moon for you. Because I'll tell you, you're going to call me a year later asking me, what can I do to extricate you from that situation? one 990 is the number. Emails to get to a bunch today. That is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And we'll get right back into it. The Injury Calculator, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. one 990 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And again, Injury Calculator, we'll get to that 
in just a little bit in mydisabilityquestions.com as well. you got a couple more things to get through first, though. Yeah, here's another interesting case. Uh, Steve from Ottawa uh, called us, and let me give you uh, briefly the facts of his case. Uh, his LTD, long-term disability, was cut off after two years uh, because his insurance company um, did not consider him to be uh, fully disabled. In mm-hmm. other words, they thought that he can do something else. He was told that he should be able to work at a different position since he's not able to drive uh, the bus. He's a bus driver. Uh, he actually tried to go back to work three hours a day for a few months, but his symptoms started acting up again. And his employer received a letter from his doctor, from Steve's doctor, indicating that he's not able to return back. In other words, trying to go back to work uh, aggravated his uh, his condition. Uh, he was taken off modified duties, and he has not been back to work since. He, you know, Steve uh, uh, suffers from chronic back pain, neck problems, osteoporosis, a fairly advanced uh, condition. He's 54 years old. And so he calls, and he wants to find out, well, what can I do about this? So again, anytime somebody calls me up in a case like this, I want to see a few things. I want to see the medical documentation. I want to see what the doctors have written. I want to see the denial letter from the insurance company. Mm. In Steve's situation, because he actually went back to work or tried to go back a few hours, now I want to see um, what actually happened. I I want further commentary from the doctor because clearly the doctor believes that this now aggravated the situation. Remember, John, just like with one of the other cases we spoke about recently, uh, earlier in the show, there is an employment law component here, yep. right? So we're going to potentially have to deal with this person's employer because he was taken off modified duties. I can tell you right now, unequivocally, if his doctors are supporting his inability to work in any occupation, which is generally the test beyond that two-year mark, okay, that we've talked about quite a few times, uh, and legitimately, you know, even his employer confirms that he's unable to work, I don't see what leg the insurance company has to stand on and not continuing his LTD for the foreseeable future. And people out there that call me say, okay, well, you're saying the insurance company has no leg to stand on. What does that actually mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means that if after reviewing everything, like I said, the policy, the medical documents, the denial letters, if I tell you they have no leg to stand on, you're asking me what to do, I will demand that the insurance company reinstate you within whatever, seven days, 10 days, Mm -hmm. give them some time to review. If they don't, we will start a legal claim, the legal process. Once we do that, they are no longer the ones who get to choose if you get reinstated or if you get a settlement, because now it's within that claims, the legal claims process. Now, you know, the end game here, if they don't play ball, if we don't get to a, a resolution, a negotiated resolution, uh, then they will end up in court and they'll have to explain this yep. to a judge and they'll probably end up losing. And they don't want that. It's an expensive process. So what happens when we start the legal process, generally we end up going to a mediation and we end up resolving the claim. And one thing I tell all of my clients is that you are in the driver's seat. I don't make any decisions, any final decisions. You are the one who's going to see at the end of the day if you agree to that resolution or not. That's another thing, by the way, John. I have people coming to me who have been with some other lawyers and law firms, I'm not talking about the really good ones because there are a lot of good law firms out there. I'm talking about the ones who are a bit more shady where the client calls me up, says, I settled my case, but I have no idea for how much. I can't get a hold of my lawyer. I have no idea how much I'm getting. I have no idea why I'm getting what I'm getting. I have no idea what portion of the settlement I'm getting. I mean, these are all major red flags. So again, for this individual, Steve, we are going to be able to resolve his claim and it's not going to be difficult to do. 
One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Get to uh, get to another one before we take a break here. All right. So uh, this lady is from Vaughn. Again, it's a it's a disability case. Um, this person Ryan called with regards to his wife's uh, short term disability. And again, you know, oftentimes I get called or emailed by the relatives, not by the actual person that is disabled, because that person usually is very depressed and and anxious and doesn't want to deal with a lawyer, right? They've been beat up by their by their insurance company. They don't want to have to deal with with with, with the case. So so Ryan called us, and uh, apparently uh, this lady, his wife, left work on March seventh, as per her psychiatrist's orders. So this is a psychological disability right. claim. She was denied short-term disability. Get this: she appeals the denial. What do you think happened, John? Denied again. Denied of again. Course. Exactly. And why? Because the insurance company believes that she can go back to work. In other words, they don't buy whatever the psychiatrist is saying. Both her psychiatrist and her family doctor have written the insurance company in support of her disability. So she feels that she has to try to go back to work. And of course she does. She's unsuccessful. And guess what? She gets hospitalized as a result. So she's off work again. And at this stage right now, that's when her husband picked up the phone and called me. So again, just like with the other cases we talked about, you know, for people out there, you feel that you are disabled, you know you are disabled, or if it's a family member, you know that your family member is disabled, you know that the doctors are supporting the disability, you know that the insurance company denied the claim incorrectly, or for whatever reason, they just don't believe the doctors or, or whatever. Give me a call, email me. It'll take me literally a few minutes of reviewing the medical documents, the denial letter, the policy, and I can tell you if you have a claim or not. I may ask you a few more questions depending on your specific scenario, but you don't have to deal with the insurance company yourself. And guess what, John? I'm not charging for any of this. I'm not, you're not paying me anything nice. for me to review this stuff to tell you if you have a case or not. And if I tell you you have a case and you can fight the insurance company, then by all means, either hire me, don't hire me, but at least you're armed with this knowledge and you know that you have options. This is not a situation where they can simply dictate to you what's going to happen. And by they, I mean the insurance company. You have legal options. And the best part is they start working with you, the phone calls stop. You got it. Yeah, you don't deal with As soon as I get involved, my team gets involved, you're no longer dealing with the insurance company. They can't, they're not allowed to call you and email you. They have to go through us. one 990 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll pepper in some emails throughout the uh, the remainder of the show here. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. The number one 990 is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Again, Terry Corcoran, our uh, insurance expert with many, many years experiences on the show back with us, Terry. You have any, uh, you have any comments or any uh, concerns about what uh, Savannah was talking about the last couple of segments with the cases? Yeah, actually, I did, John. There are situations that Savannah was describing where normally, if you're dealing with a quality insurer and you call them up and say, look, I'd like to kind of try to go back to work. Give it a spin, right? Take yeah, it for a spin, yeah. Exactly. Uh, a quality insurer should be saying to you, oh, okay, well, why don't I get our rehab department in in touch with you? And the rehab department would then be working with you, following up with you, how is it going? In the meanwhile, you're still on the LTD claim and you're still getting paid. They'll offset your earnings that you're you're getting, but you'd still be technically in the rehab program, still on claim. These kind of things shouldn't be happening uh, but apparently they are, 
And I can only assume that they're not quality insurers. And, and you know, this is again for people out there who uh, haven't heard you before. You've been in the insurance industry working and directing a lot of these kinds of claims on the insurance side for decades. Yep, exactly. This is this is interesting. And John, there's another thing just to uh, uh, to to, to uh, on that point that Terry just made about the fact that insurance companies do have certain obligations towards their insureds. Remember, uh, you have a contract with your insurance company. When they're not doing what they're supposed to, then this is where we come in mm. and we claim that they've breached the contract, right? Oftentimes, I get people coming to me where the insurance company is alleging that the individual is not playing ball and that the individual is refusing to do X, Y, and Z. And here you have situations, you're right, where oftentimes insurance companies don't do what they're supposed to. And you know, here's what happened last week, actually, just to go back to one of the other uh, cases uh, that one of my associates had, the insurance company came back after we intervened and told them that they have seven days to reverse their position mm. and reinstate our client. In other words, put them back on LTD. The adjuster wrote us back, my associate, and said, well, we need more medical documentation. My associate's response to the adjuster was, we will get you whatever it is you think you need in order to make that decision. But in the interim, reinstate our client. There's no reason why our client is suffering with mm-hmm. no income. I mean, you know, we have mortgages, you know, that this person has kids, or there's obligations. Mm-hmm. So again, this goes to the point that insurance companies do have obligations to help the person. It's not all about dollars and cents. Yeah, in, in my opinion, they should be working with you as a rehab case. Right. I mean, heck, even Canada Pension Plan will let you work and earn up to, uh, I think it's something like four or five grand this year. Uh, All you have to do is just tell them, and they're not going to penalize you for going back or trying to get back to work. And the insurance companies sure as heck shouldn't be. Yeah. Wouldn't that be to their advantage to get the rehab team, I mean, the insurance company? Sure would be. For mitigating that? Would it make sense for them to do that? Why wouldn't they? As to Terry's point. Good question. Why wouldn't they? Exactly. You're absolutely right. I mean, insurance companies are interested in not paying you. And one of the ways to do that is to get you rehab, to get you back to work. And there are rehab provisions in the policy. Right. And in fact, when, and I get this often when somebody comes to me and says the insurance company is cutting me off because they're saying that I am not cooperating where in fact that's not the case, often there are good reasons why the person is unable to do this treatment or that Mm -hmm. treatment. Uh, But that's a very good point. Very, very good point. They should be motivated to work with you as as a rehab case because you build up your strength, you keep trying, maybe you fail once you try again, but eventually you're going to uh, have a claimant who's gone away back to work, and there was no adversarial stuff nice. going on. Yeah, makes, makes perfect sense. sense. Uh, one 9646 Tell me about the injury calculator. All right, the injury calculator is a really cool online tool. It's anonymous. It takes literally 20, 30 seconds to use. If you've been injured uh, in Ontario because of someone's fault, let's say it's a slip and fall, somebody wasn't maintaining their driveway or the parking lot, or you're inside a store and there was water you know, on the ground, no signs, or you're in a car accident and somebody you know, T-bones you or re-rends you, you're injured and you want to know, is it even worth it to try and claim compensation? So what this injury calculator does is it's a database of legal cases that we've assembled a few years back from across Canada cases similar to what you perhaps are experiencing. If you have a torn shoulder, if you have a bad back because of this accident, perhaps you had a concussion, uh, broken ankle, you want to know what can you expect to get 
for pain and suffering. Yeah. And what it does is it scans through, once you input some of the information, and again, you don't have to put your name or your number. You it's just, really quick. You, you're really quick. Yep. You're telling the, the calculator what kind of injury you have. You know, if, if it's you know if it's an ankle injury, is it a fracture? Did you have surgery? Just It asks you for basic questions, and then it scans the database, and then it shoots out a range of damages based on those Canadian cases, right? Other cases that have gone to court. And it tells you, for your injury, here's what a survey of Canadian cases says you could potentially be looking at for compensation. Now, remember, that's only for pain and suffering. It's not for other things like income loss. Uh, Perhaps, uh, you know, your family members are entitled to compensation because they're helping you now. Perhaps you had out-of-pocket expenses, prescription medications, you know, gas receipts for going to the doctors, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. But at least it gives you a starting point, right? Because when somebody starts a process or goes to a lawyer or thinks about going to a lawyer, for an injury, they want to know, is it worthwhile? What am I looking at? And lawyers are generally hesitant to provide that information. What we've done is we've put this all in this calculator, injurycalculator.ca, and you go to it, you input this, uh, the, these uh, few key pieces of information, and you'll get the result. And then if you want to contact me directly, at the end, when you get the result, there is a button there you can click for a consultation, a free consultation, and then you and I can have a chat. If you don't click that button, well, then I'll never know you, that you were there. Yeah. I'm not going to get any, you know, right. any of the information, and any of your email or your name or your number. I'm not going to get anything. But it gives you that ability to figure out what your case is worth from a pain and suffering standpoint. Want to get into some uh, slip and falls and some emails as well. In the meantime, the number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six and that email address is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio AM six forty. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number to get a hold of Savan anytime you want to email him to it is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. One of your emails coming up. Very shortly, we'll pick through the pile. So we, uh, we're getting into the uh, season of construction. God, the gardener, just to name one, not that you're walking on it. But uh, what happens if someone trips, they fall uh, because of, say, uneven sidewalk or a pothole in a parking lot or you know other such defects? Compensation, can they get it for their injury? Yes, they can. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's a very good question because, again, you know, what's the joke? We have two seasons here in Canada, yeah, winter up. and construction. Yeah. Uh, you know, the amount of people that come to me that contact me, particularly in the springtime as well as the summertime, the fall, uh, because of hazards that cause them to get injured, uh, whether it's uh, you know potholes, whether it's it's construction zones, you name it, and I hear about it. And what you need to know is that uh, if in fact uh, there was negligence on whether it's the city or whether it's a private contractor that wasn't doing their job, and oftentimes, by the way, you think that it's the city, like, let's say a sidewalk that has defects in it. Right. You know, we'll start a claim only to find out that the city had subcontracted to a private contractor who then subcontracted somebody else, right? And this is where we do our due diligence to figure out who's responsible. But if you're injured as a result of a hazard, whether it's a slip and fall or a trip and fall, or you have, you know, two sidewalk slabs, right, that because of the winter, one of them got raised and it raised to a point where it created a ledge that is dangerous Mm -hmm. and you tripped on it. If you're injured as a result of that, you may be entitled to compensation. Whether or not you act on it, whether or not you want us to help you recover that compensation, that's up to you. But you should know that you are definitely entitled to it. And on the point, by the way, because we see this often, those sidewalk differentials, right? You're walking and then your toe uh, gets caught in that ledge because that particular sidewalk slab Mm -hmm. uh, went up or down or whatever it is. You know, 
there are different rules as to what constitutes negligence on the city or even on private property. Generally speaking, if that ledge, the height differential between these two concrete slabs, if they are less than an inch and a half in height, there may or may not be negligence. Yeah, if it's feet. less, yeah. If it's if it's less than three quarters of an inch, there is definitely no negligence. But if that differential is more than an inch and a half in height, so let's say two inches, the law recognizes that whoever occupies that land, whether it's the city, private owners, I don't know, the plaza owner, whatever, they would be negligent. Which means that if you fell because of that, you tore your shoulder, you broke your ankle, you are going to be entitled to compensation. But don't wait. Don't wait. You have two years from the time that the injury occurred to start a claim. And of course, when you're dealing with a city, you have to advise them in writing within 10 days of the incident. Otherwise, you could be statute barred because you didn't comply with the notice provisions. And you'll see that sometimes walking down sidewalks, the bright orange paint in between two slabs. So exactly. they've marked it. They just got to come by and fix exactly. it, right? You yeah. got it. Exactly. We'll get to an email from Ben here. It's uh, help at the insurance lawyer.ca. says, I slipped on icy steps at a mall nearby. About three months ago, fractured my knee, had surgery, and I'm still in a lot of pain. I'm a long-distance truck driver and won't be able to go back, to, according to the doctor, for a while. What should I do, and uh, what can I get from my injury? Well, I actually spoke with Ben, so this mm-hmm. is an email that he had sent to me, and uh, I can tell you right now we can definitely help Ben, and it's a significant claim. Uh, fractured knees, uh, you know, and Ben is in his 40s. You're dealing with a very significant injury because not only, you know, did he have surgery, uh, but uh, he's he's probably going to need a knee replacement at some point, and with knee replacements, mm-hmm. orthopedic surgeons will tell you that you need revision surgery at some point. You know, he's a long-distance truck driver, so you're dealing with a lot of money that he's losing. These guys can be making easily six figures. Uh, So, you know, he's very, very concerned. And in in these kinds of claims, I often advise uh, to start a claim as soon as possible. Now, he fell as a result of icy steps at a mall, he said. Right, And by talking to him, I learned that uh, you have that mall, uh, but you also have a few other uh, properties nearby. So we're not exactly sure who had control over that area, who was responsible for salting. There was no salt. Uh, and by the way, he did something very good. He was walking with some with a friend, not took friend pictures. took photographs yeah. exactly around that time. Very, very important to take photos to show the state of the sidewalk. Uh, so we're going to do our due diligence to figure out who is responsible, who owns that area, who maintained that area, because maybe there's a management company, maybe there is a winter maintenance contractor. Very, very important to do your due diligence to make sure that all the necessary parties who are responsible for the area are included in the claim so that we have all of the insurance companies at the table when it comes time to negotiate. So my best advice to Ben, and I told him that, is to start a claim ASAP. Got a couple minutes left here. Might as well get into it. Uh, he's already been on with us, uh, of course. Uh, today we'll get into a little deeper with Terry Corcoran. Years and years of experience, Savan, in the uh, insurance industry knows the inner workings big time. Uh, say the, uh, That's fair to say, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I always <laughs> love to hear what he has to say. Every time I run a case by him or we talk about some things, I learn something new. Uh, and again, listen, I, I worked for insurance companies in the past, but in the capacity of a defense lawyer. Right. Here you have somebody who was actually directing a lot of those claims and has a lot of the inside scoop. I was Very the troublemaker. Yeah. You were the nice. troublemaker. Yeah. We never came across one another, but it would have been interesting. <laughs> yes. I would have I would have loved to sit across from you and negotiate. <laughs> so Terry, we'll, uh, we'll we'll start on this one. We got uh, we'll carry on after the break of course, but what can people applying for LTD to uh, what do they have to do or what should they do to maximize their chance of getting approval? Well, it all begins with the forms. So you want to be timely with your forms. And then 
there's the the biggest piece of it is the medical piece. You want to encourage your doctor to be thorough in filling out his part of the form. Include things like consultation reports, test results, clinical notes, because uh, a note scribbled on a prescription pad is not going to get you on LTD. You got to... Are you sure? Little, yeah, <laughs> on a napkin. Yeah, it needs yeah. to be on a napkin. Yeah. It, it needs to be a little more thorough. And you don't want to let the doctor send that stuff directly to the insurance company. They have that option that uh, they will allow the doctor to take this stuff and bypass you and send it directly to the insurance company which is probably just about the worst thing that, that you can allow to have happen. Uh, that form, and I'm speaking from experience here, it'll mm-hmm. show up in a, in a mail room at the insurance company, and they're going to have trouble matching it to, to your file where it belongs. But worse, you don't get to vet that information. You're going to have no copy for right. future reference. You're going to have no chance to quiz your physician about its contents. Maybe he doesn't even actually support your disability. Maybe that's why he wanted to send it directly into the insurance company. Yeah. Or maybe there's something about your condition he hasn't disclosed to you yet. Uh, so keep control of the situation as best you can. And on there's uh, there's three parts to it. There's an employer statement. There's a uh, your statement, and then there's a physician statement. Check the employer's portion of the form. Are the dates you last worked aligning with what you're going to say and what your doctor right. said? Uh, is your salary correct? Are they going to calculate your LTD benefit on, on the correct amount of salary? Yeah, smart, eh? Is your employment date or your coverage effective date uh, good? Is it correct? Because that drives things like uh, if there's a pre, uh, pre-existing condition, well, when did it start and does it impact your claim? Um or other eligibility plans. So you want to check that employer's portion. I'm going to pause you right there, Terry. We've got to take a quick break, but lots more of this coming up. And questions, I know you have, uh, Savannah, a lot of those. And emails as well. You can send those along, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. The number is one 990 the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. The number one 990 Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And if you haven't checked it out already, injurycalculator.ca as well. Savannah. Yeah, Terry, you were saying, uh, this is really interesting, you were saying uh, when people apply for LTD, uh, don't let the doctor send the report or the statement directly to the insurance company. And that's interesting because I often have people contacting me after the fact when either they've been denied or the claim goes sideways, and they're taking issue with what their own doctors have written. So once the insurance company gets that letter from the from the doctor, if there are in fact inaccuracies and, and errors, can the person go back? I mean, can the person actually get a correction from the doctor? How does the insurance company see that? Are they suspicious at that point? Uh, I think just naturally that it would draw a little bit of suspicion, but uh, there should be an opportunity to correct something. It'll really depend on how the doctor presents it. Right. Uh, But I wouldn't wouldn't rule it out totally. Mm -hmm. But it, it does draw attention to the claim in a negative sort of way. Right. Okay. So when do, you, uh, when do you typically get asked uh, by the insurance company to go see their doctors, and what should you keep in mind if that happens? Um, well, one of the things you want to do is absolutely positively make sure you, you attend. You have to comply, right? You yeah. have to comply. Yeah. Uh, if, if you don't, you're, 
you're basically into a breach of contract and your claim's done. Uh, they're usually done to resolve inconsistencies uh, noted on the initial submission, or it could be in preparation for the definition change at two uh, at two years. Right. Or they could be asking you to go see the company doctor because of a byproduct of surveillance. You should watch what you say and post on social media. Believe it or not, we get tips. Stay on good terms with your neighbors and don't dump your girl or boyfriend. We love your exes. We want to hear from them. And they do call in. If there's anything at, at the least bit shady about your claim, you could get ratted out. Now, <laughs> that's brutal. Amazing. Uh, that's, that's, that's the Jerry Springer element of Totally, LGBT. 100%. Uh, uh, the other time that uh, we'll do an independent medical examination is if, if we suspect you, you may actually be working and not telling us. Maybe mm. you're working from home. And if we think you're working from home, we've probably already scooped your garbage. And just to go through it and find evidence of things that uh, you might be doing that we would call employment. Uh, so <laughs> be careful. That's, uh, you know, it's interesting. I oftentimes when I deal with insurance companies, uh, when the person has been denied and, you know, they're not going to necessarily come out and tell me everything they have. Oftentimes, the insurance companies keep their cards close to their chest. Oh, they're fantastic poker players. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. that said, mm-hmm. when we start the legal claims process, at that point, they have to abide and deal with the rules of procedure, which means that they have to provide us with what they have. They yeah, can't full disclosure. Full yeah. disclosure, which is, by the way, another benefit of when we get involved and we start a legal claim, they can no longer simply hide behind you know, saying that they just don't want to provide this information. Mm-hmm. They have to provide it. And the, their lawyers know that they have to provide it. And, and you know, guess what? Oftentimes when we see surveillance or when we see, you know, that garbage that they scoop up, oftentimes if the claim is in fact legitimate, we can deal with those things. There is an explanation. It may not be the best explanation, but there is an explanation. Uh, so it's not always a black and white situation. But I take your point about the fact that uh, insurance companies often get tips from uh, the most unlikely of sources. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Garbage in your exes and the neighbor you ticked off. Uh, they're all our friends. Interesting. Interesting. Social media has got to be such a oh big my God, one, too. Oh, my God, it's huge. Because it's always be shiny, happy people on Facebook, right? Never, you know, people usually generally don't put depressing stuff on there. It's either food, cats, or something happy, right? Yeah, or I've started a great new business. and uh, <laughs> Advertising smart, you know, it everywhere. We're, we're yeah. watching, man. Follow we're me watching on LinkedIn. your social media. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. You got to be careful with that. You have to be careful. We'll take a, a short break. One triple eight nine nine zero. Sorry, one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. I'm going to the scoop insurance... your garbage, John. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> the Insurance Injury Law Show Talk Radio AM six forty. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six to get a hold of Savan anytime. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Terry Corker in here. With decades of uh, and years of experience in the insurance industry, answering our questions in your emails as well. So, common mistakes uh, you've seen throughout your career that people make get them cut right off LTD. Well, number one, top of my list, not attending an independent medical exam. You're contractually bound. The insurer has what they call the right to examination. If you don't show up for that independent medical assessment, you're done. You're done. Your claim's over. It's just you you got to move on. You screwed it mm. up. Don't, uh, another thing that, that could get you cut off, embellishment or dishonesty. 
be, be forthright. Be, uh, be honest with us. Don't be resistant to the concept of rehabilitation. Right. Yeah, we're uh, as a company, we're financially motivated uh, to to end the claim, but the rehab staff could bring positive change to your life, and the rehab people are generally not adversarial. Just as people in general, they seem to be more uh, the helpful types yeah. and. They don't have the same kind of pressures that uh, an adjudicator might have. Uh, try to be as compliant as you can with the insurer's request for additional information. And in verbal discussions, mind your words. Uh, That's big. The insurance company is listening very closely to everything you say. I don't think anybody is actually recording them at the moment, but maybe treated as if it, as if it were because they're definitely taking notes uh so uh I, I to quote the charter anything you do or say may be used as evidence mm -hmm. now i'm not trying to scare anyone but when i say mind your words you don't want to say well you know i could go back to work but uh i i'm really just too messed up to do it no don't put it that way so you could say i'd love to go back to work if only this, right. that, or the other thing. Right. So, mind your words. Now you say embellishment. Is that along the lines of I can't do anything, I'm bedridden, but you're not really bedridden. You just don't yeah, feel things, that good. Yeah, yeah right. things like that. Yeah. Remember also that this comes down oftentimes to perception. People have a perception that they can't do something, and what they mean really is not that they can't do it. It's that if they do it, they're going to pay for it. So can I go back to work? I can probably try to go back to work, but I feel like I'm going to get a lot worse if I do, and perhaps my doctor is agreeing with that. Right. But again, uh, to Terry's point, the words you use have impact, and and you know the other the person on the other side of the of the of the phone, they're sophisticated. This is what they're trained to listen to. They're trained to listen to anything that would allow them. Uh, to deal with the claim in a certain way. And and again, you know, and I've said this before, you have some adjusters that are just fantastic human beings, but they still have a client to deal with, right, which is the insurance company. And of course, in, like in every industry, you have some adjusters that are very, very difficult to deal with. The good thing, again, uh, in if, if you do get to a point where there is resistance, you're having a problem, remember, as soon as we get involved, we are now dealing with the insurance company. You're not dealing with them. And, you know, we've talked about this in other contexts, John. You have to be very, very careful with what you say. And uh, they will come back uh, at you with your own words. So just be very, very careful of that. Terry, I want to thank you again for being on the show uh, this week. Some good information there. You want to expand on it. You need more. You can contact Savan anytime. It's one 990 If you haven't checked out the injury calculator, find out what your pain and suffering should be worth, could be worth, injurycalculator.ca. And finally, the email address, real simple, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640.